Oftentimes when I'm preaching on a particularly uh, high feast day, something that's uh, a, a familiar text, I will go back and look at what I said last year because obviously there's so much here. There's so much scripture that we've been given through this wonderful presentation of the Passion. And thank you for all of our, our readers. I uh, hope you enjoyed seeing a glimpse of some of your fellow church members through that video. I looked back at my old Palm Sunday sermons and I found some familiar words that were interesting to read given our current context. Uh, One year I actually had the words, um, the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ interrupts our lives in a way that is startling. Another year I said, we're overwhelmed by the Passion Week as we walk through. Yet another year I talked about how we could easily become depressed or disturbed by what we see in the passion of our Lord. And it was striking to me that these are all words that we would describe the current state of the world right now and the fight against the coronavirus that's going on. It's overwhelming. It's disturbing. It's an interruption. And it can sometimes be depressing. But we're not here to talk about the coronavirus. We're here to talk about the Lord's passion. And it is the way for us to move forward through this passion that we might see God's glory and his salvation. Think about it for a minute. Why is it that we focus on Jesus' death and his suffering? I mean, we know the end of the story. Why don't we just rush through and get on to the resurrection? Well, it's because we realize that the Lord works through those things that are difficult, the pain. We walk through the suffering because we realize the Lord is doing something. He's making us more fully human in the sense that we're intended to be human. And he is, in fact, growing us up spiritually as we walk through the way of suffering. That's why we go through it. Years ago, there was a movie that um, it was not very good. At least I didn't think it was very good. But uh, starring Jim Carrey, and um, it was called God Almighty, I believe, or Almighty, Bruce Almighty, thank you. And, uh, but there was one line that, that is just a gem of a line in there. And, and when Morgan Freeman, who plays God, is speaking to, um, to Jim Carrey, he says, when you're going to paint a beautiful portrait, sometimes you have to use really dark colors. The Lord is not afraid to use dark colors to build the beautiful portrait that he's making in us. And what he was doing with Christ is taking him through that suffering as well. Now, oftentimes when we read the Passion, we tend to focus on the human characters in the story and what they're doing, how they're interacting with Jesus. Those like Simon of Cyrene who are helping Jesus and those who are supportive of Jesus, like the women that are at the cross and John, the young disciple, or those who've betrayed or abandoned Jesus, those who have tormented him, like the soldiers and Pilate and Judas and Peter. But I wonder for a few moments this morning if we could contemplate what God is doing in this narrative. What's God up to behind the scenes as we read about these characters and their interaction with Jesus, who is completely submitted to his Father. 
Well, I think that our two lessons that Kim read for us, Isaiah 52 and 53 and Philippians 2, are indications of exactly what the Lord is doing behind the scenes. First of all, and this is so important, God the Father is exalting Jesus through his crucifixion, through his passion, through his suffering, through his grieving, through all that he suffers and goes through. He is being exalted. In order for Jesus to be exalted as King of kings and Lord of lords, he has to first go through his passion. C.S. Lewis, talking about this in his book, God on the Dock, says that, um, that we have to understand that Jesus took on humanity. He became human. And unlike us, he submitted his humanity completely to God. Completely, 100%. That means that all the, the self-centeredness, all the, the tendency to protect ourselves and to keep ourselves from pain, to avoid pain, our tendencies to manipulate and use other people and make it about us, even when it's not, Jesus was willing to take all of his humanity and submit it to the horrors of the passion that he might redeem humanity. And by his suffering and death, he takes on humanity and brings it into the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and makes it possible for our humanity to be redeemed. No longer do we have to live as slaves to the manipulation and the self-centeredness and the pain and the, the ways we try to manipulate and make things all about us. And that's what we see in the passion, don't we? We see ourselves. We see ourselves betraying Jesus. We see ourselves abandoning him and denying him. We see ourselves callous and one moment we're praising him as Hosanna, he who comes in the name of the Lord and the next minute we're yelling out with the crowds, crucify him. Jesus perfectly submitted his humanity that God the Father might exalt him. Jesus is being exalted and that's what God's doing behind the scenes. Secondly, we see that Jesus is entering into our griefs and sorrow. And isn't that a comforting word? I know I said it last week in the sermon, but I want to remind you of it. It comes right out of Isaiah 53, 4. He has shared our sorrows and our griefs. He knows the pain of being human. He knows what it means to suffer as a human being. And to live as a human is hard, regardless of where you are in your circumstances. It's difficult. No person, no matter how wealthy or how poor, can escape the difficulties of being human. And yet, we have a Lord who enters into our pain and suffering. As we walk through with people who are going through great suffering and pain and loss, possibly even fearing their own lives, it's oftentimes hard to understand where is God. But yet, we know that the Lord Jesus is right there with us. And that he knows our suffering and pain. He walks with us through that. He is a present help in time of need. Because he himself went that way. God the Father is working behind the scenes in Jesus. To make him the one, the only one. Who can truly walk through our pain. Sometimes we look from the outside and we think. There's no way I would have the strength to walk that way. To go through the suffering that person's going through. But that's because we don't yet know what it means to know that intimacy of Christ in suffering. 
He is present to us in our suffering in a way that only he can be and in the only way that we can experience it when we're actually going through that pain. So don't worry if you're not there yet and you can't see how you can make it. At your moment of need, Christ, the man of sorrows, will walk with you through it. Well, this morning, as we think about the passion of Christ, we think about our own situation We're definitely walking through a time of testing, aren't we? A wilderness, an exile in a sense. Although we're not exiled from our home, we're exiled to our home. But how are we doing? How are we responding? Now this is not about us working harder to be better Christians. This is not what I'm saying. But are we taking from the Lord his strength, his willingness to suffer? And are we willing to allow him to work in us by his Holy Spirit, to teach us to become more like him. Because of what Christ suffered, the power is within us, in Christ, to become like him. Three things to note, and then I'll be done. First, Jesus prayed more intensely as he entered his passion. I don't know about you, but I have a lot more time at home And instead of being more intentional about prayer, oftentimes I find myself more intentional about everything but prayer. As Jesus contemplated the cross, he went intensely into prayer. He sought his Father's face all the more. I believe we are called to be people of prayer who seek the Lord's face, who bring our our distress and pour out our hearts to our Father just the way Jesus did. Secondly, we see Jesus extending grace. Friends, we need to give grace to each other more than ever now. Social media is blowing up with people criticizing teachers for being on Facebook rather than teaching their kids. And and people taking aim at at businesses that are uh, continuing to to try to find ways to work. And, And there's all sorts of political strife going on and name calling and rock throwing and We need to be extending grace. Look at how our Lord extended grace. He calls Judas friend. He receives Peter back. He's gentle and long-suffering with the disciples in the garden. He doesn't strike out in anger at the Sanhedrin or even at Pilate. And from the cross, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Extending grace. That's something that I want the Lord to grow in me through this time, this season. Thirdly, Jesus is slow to speak. As an extrovert, that is the hardest of the three, to be slow to speak. But look at how few words Jesus uses as he's in the Sanhedrin, as he faces the high priest, and as he comes before Pilate. Jesus, we're told in Isaiah 53, prophesying, verse 7, He opened not his mouth. Oh, that we would allow Christ to redeem our mouths and our words would be few and our ears would be open to hear what he wants to say. That we would grow in his likeness because he walked the way of suffering. Now, there's one thing that Jesus did that we are not to emulate. And it's the very last thing that you heard in the Passion. From the cross, Jesus laments, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And truly we know theologically that God the Father 
did forsake Jesus. Jesus suffered the most in that breaking of relationship with the Father for a time. But because Christ was willing to suffer, because he was willing to walk the way of suffering and death for us, we never have to know being forsaken by God. Do you know that? Do you understand that today? That supremely that's what Christ was doing as he walked through his passion and suffering and death. He was making sure that you and I would never, never have to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This morning, can I appeal to you? If you have never before, cry out to God. Ask him for mercy. Trust him with your life. Trust him in the circumstances of your life, in your fears, in your depression, in the things that disturb you about this season. He, the man of suffering, will come and be with you. We simply have to admit our need for him, admit our sin, believe that God allowed Christ to die and then raised him from the dead and confess him as Lord. Begin to seek to serve him and not yourself. And Christ will come and be with you. And you'll never know that forsakenness. For that is why he came. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.